0: An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways.
1: No magic and no miracles, against the rules. Up and down the aisles, the shopper goes, and you buy, nobody knows. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au, and the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weigh Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. In this episode, it is my pleasure to interview Debbie. Debbie is currently 52 years old and has struggled with bulimia for most of her life. Uh, and when she came, when she turned 50, uh, she came across Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffees, which helped her stop binging. Um, but she wanted to look further into the ketogenic diet for body recomposition. So she started reading The Complete Guide to Fasting by Dr. Fung and Jemmy Moore and delved into all the podcasts that were available um, now and at the time. Once she cut out the carbs and implemented And started implementing fasting into her weekly schedule, everything fell into place. Since then, her menopausal symptoms have gone away, her tremors have diminished, and she stopped binging. She's recently been experimenting with the carnivore diet and she's obsessed with checking her blood glucose readings, which is a great, great thing. Throughout the interview, we talk about uh, running, you know, doing 36 hour fasts and what it takes to build up to something like that, as well as her website, fatfueledat50.com, along with many other things related to intuitive eating and how she uh, can listen to her body instead of calculating macros and calories every single day. So please welcome Debbie. Debbie, how are you doing today?
0: I'm so fantastic, and I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. I can't even tell you. I didn't even sleep last night. I was so excited.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. We were talking a little bit off the podcast just before, and you said, yeah, you've been so excited, and and uh, yeah, you've been losing sleep over the podcast, and I, I remember when I did uh, my uh, interview for Keto for Normies, I, I had the exact same feeling, so I feel you, I, I know what it's like to be there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did great on that podcast. I listened to them too, and that was a great interview.
1: Yeah, uh, Matt and Meg are great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they do some wonderful interviews on their podcast. Um, But, you know, uh, I I like to start these podcasts with uh, a tiny little bit of an icebreaker, and not necessarily that everyone needs an icebreaker because, um, you know, it's more just a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of a funny story or, you know, something that – uh people may not know about you and uh, and so you were you were saying that you you were doing some uh, maffetone training and then you ran a half marathon recently. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit of your experience behind uh, the training and also doing the race?
0: Oh yeah, so you know I started keto in June of two thousand and seventeen, so it was about a year, and I discovered primal endurance training. And I got so excited listening to Brad, Brad Kern's uh, podcast and marathon Training. I'm like, this is so easy. Like, I can get my heart rate to 128. That, that's like walking, jogging. So, what did I do? Before I even really listened to too many of the podcasts, I signed up for my first half marathon. And then, as I'm listening to his podcast, I'm like, oh, he said give this like six months. <laughs> my marathon like, was like three months away. And I'm like, Okay. Well, so every morning I got up and just, you know, to keep my heart rate, it was like, it took me an hour to get four miles done. So it was like arduous. So the longest I wound up training was about an hour and a half on my treadmill, just listening to podcasts or watching tennis. I'm an avid tennis player. And I, long story short, it was like, right, I went out so fast, I wish your podcast was around back in April because listening to your your great advice of running the marathons on keto, I would have started out so much slower. I didn't even let myself have any almond butter nothing. I'm like I'm fat adapted <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought I was gonna kill it and win the medal, and then I was gonna call Brad Kearns and say, "Look at what I did you know <laughs> Mind though, I did think, oh my gosh, I did not give this enough time. I wonder what's going to happen. But I took off like a banshee. I think I got my my first five miles was definitely the fastest I've ever run, and I've run two marathons and ten half marathons in my lifetime. And I was like, I'm cruising, and I I started slowing down around eight miles, and I thought, oh boy, I'm about to get to the point where I stopped my my training, my marathon training, and it was like on the minute. At 10 miles, <laughs> just, my legs just literally stopped. Like my hips, like, talk about a lot. It was so embarrassing. This has never happened. I pulled a, a calf muscle one time running a, a half marathon, and I was still able to finish, you know, limp it through. But this was like, <laughs> I could barely walk. It was like every, every ounce of energy must have been used up and... Long story short, I had to. Somebody saw me and said, "Oh, this girl needs help," <laughs> and drove me to the finish line. It was the first time ever my daughter came to see me at the finish line, and my husband was there, and they were looking for me. And I was like, "I'm over here." It was terrible. It was the most human. I know. So now I'm back to you know marathon training. I'm going to give it a lot more time and try it again. But I was listening to your podcast where it was just you speaking on your experience with the marathon and i got so much out of that so
1: oh that's awesome yeah i mean uh i I know i know that feeling you know you turn up at the race and everyone's so excited and you know they do so much to hype you up at these races so that you'll i don't know just feel amazing running over the start line and then yeah as you said you get you get Halfway and pass halfway and you know, eight miles in and then everything just starts to turn terrible and you go, What have I done? <laughs> yeah.
0: Why couldn't I have just started a little further back and started with the you know the joggers? Oh
1: Yep, yep. No, I, I totally feel that. So so so, Debbie, for anyone who doesn't know you and, and what you do, can you give us a little bit of a background about, uh, a little bit more about you and then um, I guess what you're currently doing at the moment as well?
0: Oh yeah, I'm excited too. So I'm 52 years young, I like to say. <laughs> I have two kids, 21 and 18. And so this year I'm going to be an empty nester in August. And I'm a physician's assistant. So I'm currently working doing that. And I was uh, a bulimic for long for most of my life. Now that I'm 52, I can literally say most of my life I suffered with disordered eating. Um, but through it all, I I still climbed mountains and I ran marathons and I guess 51 years old, I started getting a tremor in my hands, which I used to sew for a living for a surgeon. So that was a problem. And then I hit menopause and everything was, (laughs) everything just came to my head. Like, your body cannot take this, you know, calorie restriction and purging and, you know, binging and purging. And it was funny. I was, it was almost like meant to be, but I was just like scrolling through, um, Facebook. And first I found Dave Asprey and his bulletproof coffees, And they reminded me of when I did Atkins back in 1996. I had a just a brief, you know, I guess it was probably three months. It was the year I had my son in 1996. I'm probably dating myself, but I'm old. And I went on Atkins after I had him and <laughs> I got so thin and everybody convinced me I was going to give myself a heart attack, even though I felt great. I looked great. Of course, I ate a cookie and that was the end of that. But the Bulletproof, back to how I started with this. So then I saw Dave Asprey and his Bulletproof coffees, and I thought, that's what I used to do on Atkins. So I started with that, and my body composition wasn't changing. I was eating better, and the the fats were actually doing my body good. Uh, But then I was wondering, well, I'm not losing weight, and I still had my tremor and all that stuff. And I saw, I don't know if you've (laughs) seen this guy, Kino Body, He's a guy. He he's a bodybuilder, and he fasts till dinner, and then he eats garbage at night. Uh, but he works out like three, four times a week, and he looks, you know, as fit as a fiddle. And he started throwing around the world word fasting, and I'm like, you know, he's like, you can't, you can't have, you know, cream in your coffee in the morning. That's not fasting. And I was like, oh. And that led me to Jimmy Moore and Dr. Fung's Complete Guide to Fasting. Because I thought, well, if I'm going to try fasting, I'm going to do it right. And I just delved into the world of fasting and fell in love with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Fung. And then it was like podcast. Then I just started listening to all the, the podcasts, the fasting talk and, and all that good stuff. And then that led me to keto you can't really fast unless you take your carbs out. And I never looked back. I've never felt better. My tremor went away. I think the the fasting and the autophagy just, you know, kind of cured my brain. I never, my deep deceit, my disordered eating just like vanished. All of a sudden I noticed, wow, I'm not binging. I'm not purging. This is amazing. And now I'm just trying to spread the word because I just, I feel great. And it's like, freedom from food. You know, I was in the era where fat phobia and calorie counting. And now it's, I went from that to intuitive eating and satiating foods. And I just want to help everybody else feel as good as I do.
1: Mm, yeah, uh, it's, that's very, very uh, interesting that you say that you went from, you know, being quite restrictive a- into something now that is uh, very freeing and, and something that you don't have to count calories or macros and, and, and really listening to what your body actually needs. So, um, what was, what was the motivation for you to actually start the ketogenic diet? Was it simply fasting and, and trying to fix those, those health issues that you were sort of struggling with? Um, you know, or was it uh, that there was, was there anything else at play when you, when you first started the ketogenic diet? And did you go low carb first and then, and then keto, or was it, uh, you know, was it That's a little hard. bit of a playing ground?
0: Ass backwards. No. So my motivation was definitely body composition. I've always been fit. I've always been lean, of course, doing it the wrong way, starving myself. But, you know, I think, Something happens when you turn fifty and your body just says no more. And so I was I didn't like my body composition. I had fat pockets in my legs where I never had it before and that little tummy roll. So it was vanity that started me looking into what on earth can I do? I didn't realize about the autophagy and trying to cure menopause and trying to that that was all a happy coincidence. It was um, when I saw Kino buddy, I'm like, look at him, he's lean. And it made sense, like the science just made sense. If you don't eat all day, and then you just have your calories at night, you're satiated. So it started like that. So I actually suffered through fasting all day until dinner. And then I kind of was counting the calories like he did. And I thought this isn't working. But again, when I got the book, you know, the complete guide to fasting. And I read Dr. Fung and, Do- and Jimmy Moore's words about, uh, you know, just how hormonal, um, you know, insulin works and the control of all that by not eating. I thought, wow, my insulin is down. So now I'm burning fat. And of course, all women want to be fat burners. So then that led me into keto. I'm like, I want to keep my insulin down so I could stay on the train of fat burning. And I just started feeling better and better. And I enjoy, you know, all the foods, bacon and eggs. I was like, oh my gosh, this is heaven. So I, I don't have to fast every day. You know, I can fast, I can eat bacon and eggs for breakfast on one day. And then, you know, and that's how the intuitive eating started too, realizing each day could be a little different. Um, but when I did, it's funny too, because before I was really into keto, I was trying those extended fasts and I actually made it to 36 hours. And then my, my second attempt was 42 and I I was just so proud of myself. But the more I got fat adapted and into the ketogenic diet, it, it just became easier and easier. And then with the salt supplements and everything, you know, just listening to all the podcasts just made it easier and easier to fast.
1: Mm, okay. And, and, and specifically, like what is fasting uh, done for uh, the, not only the, um, the other health things that you're trying to fix, but, but in particular menopause is, has, has fasting been able to benefit that in any way?
0: <laughs> yes. Like I was starting to have hot flashes on a daily basis and I can't really remember the last time I had a hot flash. I mean, like it just, all my friends are turning bright red and fanning themselves, and I'm like, "Man, you guys have to go keto because I don't do any of that. I'm not even kidding. I feel like I'm 30 again. It's that dramatic. That's why I started my website because I'm like, I got to tell women about this because I feel fantastic, and I do take um, some Progest cream, which is a yam extract. I was going to tell you about some of the supplements I take too, but I, I just, you know listening to the emeryx and just i have a list of all the the podcasts i listen to i've learned so much and i've been tweaking things and i just almost feel like a little bit of an expert over here and what works well what works for me you know and so it really took away the menopausal symptoms
1: oh that's that's really great you know yeah. because um uh you know some of the people in my family have been uh, going through that as well. Uh, and, and it can be terrible, you know, you just get this hot flash and you go, is it really hot in here? Or is it just me? Yeah, I <laughs> um,
0: but, and I, I mean, I'd wake up in the middle of the night just with sweat all over my body and it's been, oh my gosh, probably six, seven months since that's happened.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. awesome. And I'm sure, um, if, if anyone's listening and they're going through that as well, that, that uh, sticking to a, a ketogenic diet like what we're going to be talking about here um, may help that. But, um, you know, uh, you were saying before that you you went from, uh, you know, going from calorie counting and, and uh, trying to, you know, be on that balance seesaw between uh, eating and not eating, what was it that made you change um to to go completely intuitive and so so before the podcast we were saying that yeah. you don't count any macros you don't count any calories and that's awesome that's that's fantastic i think that's where most people want to be um and so how did you what was the progression from you know when you started the ketogenic diet up until now and and do you have any tips and tricks for people that are wanting to back away from the my fitness pals and the chronometers and all that yeah. sort of stuff
0: yeah i um i was doing that in the beginning and i just got so tired of still thinking you know i'm like 50 years old and i'm still writing down what i'm eating you know and i just basically stopped I, 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 the keto and the fasting has given me so much more control over what i put in my mouth i'm never starving like you know when you calorie restrict it's like that next meal you almost have to weigh out or you're going to eat the whole refrigerator so now that i'm more in control i i just i put the protein on the plate first and you know i add a little bit of fat i really just to make the protein more, you know tolerable or or more enjoyable i should say because it's, it's good straight up too but And then it just, I realized one day, oh my gosh, I don't need to put this in. I don't care how many calories I had because I'm going to either because I was going to fast either the next day, you know, and I just stopped keeping track and I just started listening to my body and I just looked so much better and felt so much better. I'm like, I really don't need to be calculating. I know what a normal portion looks like. And that might also be just from years of dieting. You know what? a good portion of protein is and some vegetables and some fats. And then I just stopped putting it into, I think I was using my fitness pal. I just stopped and I never looked back. And I just, where I'm in the mood for, you know, I'll start thinking about, like I go to work, I usually don't eat until maybe one, two o'clock in the afternoon. Sometimes I start off with like a light bulletproof coffee. And when I say that, I mean, Uh, Two tablespoons of heavy whipping cream and a teaspoon of MCT oil. And I don't have that till one, two o'clock. And then that kind of just, oh, I just enjoy that so much. And then I could start maybe an hour or two later, I start thinking, what do I want for dinner? And, and I go by that. You know, if I feel like the juicy hamburgers that are always available, I'll have that with some, you know, a little bit of cheese. And I even stopped with the vegetables so much because I just didn't want them. And I thought, well, there's a lot of carnivores out there doing just fine. I don't need my vegetables. And I'm sure some of the, some of the people listening might be like, but you need your vegetables. But I'm more on the page of I get what I need from the proteins I'm eating.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and and uh the carnivore diet is something that a lot of people have been adapting and and I guess it's not it's not really a one size fits all, I think. Um sometimes uh, for for people, you know, you can if you if it feels right, then definitely, but I know a lot of people who who say they can't yeah. do it because they just love veggies too much. And by the sounds yeah. of it, you sort of naturally fell into it. It wasn't anything that was
0: oh, exactly, on it was I'm not going to eat vegetables cuz I'm going to be a carnivore. It was literally I Well, cauliflower is just never been my, my thing, you know, and it was tear and I was making myself eat it because I heard, Oh, that's a great vehicle for your butter. And then I was like, you know, listening to me, Maria Emmerich and how the fat flux works. I'm like, well, I don't need all the butter, you know, I can eat butter, but I don't need, uh, you know, to add fats, just to add fats. And, but when I was adding the fats, just to add the fats, the cauliflower would just tear up my stomach. And so I did tend to just naturally uh, veer away from the vegetables. It just it just happened intuitively.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, uh, you know they uh, they recently did a uh, biopsy on a on a very old um, human being that they they basically pulled apart their stomach.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: and uh, and you know the, in there they saw a lot of protein and a lot of animal fat in there and, um, very little traces of, of, uh, vegetable matter or anything. So it's interesting that we've been doing it for so long. Um, you know, it sort of seems, uh, it, it, it seems right for a lot of people. So that's, that's really interesting. And I, and I guess like, how does that tie into the intuitive eating for you? Because, um, what my partner does that I'm um, not very good at is that, I can, I can eat for a certain amount or I'll eat something. Um, and I can't actually tell that it's doing me any wrong up until I, I have too much of it, like way too much of it, like three or four days in a row of it. And I go, I probably didn't, that, that just isn't sitting well for me. Whereas my partner would have gone, Oh, no, after, straight after that meal, she can definitely tell that something is not right. How did you go from, from, uh, you know, being the intuitive eating and how, how has that freed you up in terms of uh, not not having to listen to other people and what they s- tell you to do and finding your own path throughout that in and searching for foods that you really enjoy and find uh, help you on your journey?
0: Yeah, well, I'm lucky in that, um, you know, my kids are grown, so it's not like I have... I don't have sit down meals with my family. as terrible as that sounds, but my daughter's my son's off to college and he didn't come home this summer because he's working. and then my daughter just her schedules so busy. So it was really me, my husband eats crazy. I mean, he's a carb loving fool. He drinks beers every night. He thinks I'm absolutely crazy. And so, but he's very supportive on the same. He's like, oh, you're not eating today. Okay. I won't eat dinner in front of you. Like he's just, he's super supportive as badly as I want to get him on board because he's super unhealthy. And that's like a whole other topic. You know, I I would love somebody to just tell me how to get him on board. So I'm just living by example. But for me, it wasn't, I didn't have to explain it to anybody. I I just talked to myself and say, okay, Deb, what are you in the mood for, for dinner? I'd make it, eat it, and then, you know, a couple times I'd ha- I'd have the vegetables in the beginning. Now, now I'm so intuitive, I don't force myself to have the vegetables. But in the beginning, I used a lot of help, and they didn't sit right with me after, like, a couple of bites. I was just... Um, not enjoying them like I was. And I'm like, well, if I'm not enjoying them and I don't have to eat all the fat, then I don't need this cauliflower. And so I just started just listening to my inner voice basically and what my body was telling me I was in the mood for. And it's really, if you really just kind of listen, I don't know if it was watching all that Oprah back in the 80s, <laughs> you know, listening to that inner voice, it never, ever steers you wrong. And so... And just listening to all the podcasts and and I love Leanne Bogle and I love Sean Minor and I know they love their vegetables, but for me, I heard one of the podcasts, even Sean Minor, said at fifty, you're like a dude. <laughs> you know? My hormones are not I don't have to worry about my cycles, I don't have to worry about, you know, uh where how did I get on that? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm very intuitive with that. I listen to that inner voice that tells me what I want to eat. And I'm so excited that I'm not binging anymore. So I eat what I feel like eating and then I stop. And then I'm satiated. And sometimes I do have a little sweet dessert still. You know, I'm not a complete carnivore, although I could be if I set my mind to it, but there's no reason for it. You know, if I'm in the mood for one of your delicious recipes or keto connects delicious recipes I I have a couple of bites of sweet. Cause even keto, sometimes you just want something sweet.
1: Mm, yeah. I, I think it, that, that sweetness is, is hard to kick for a lot of people, but sometimes it is just nice to have something on the side.
0: I say, you know, that I have to portion out because I'll do what you do and I'll just eat way too much of it and realize an hour later, like, okay. <laughs> <That was laughs> <Oops. easy>. <laughs> <laughs> happen to us females too but um i learned to just portion that out
1: right right okay and and I, I wanted to go back and talk a little a little bit about um you were saying that and i'm i'm not sure if this uh is is an okay topic to to cover but um when you said you were bulimic before and now you're um you're totally okay with fasting how was that um, progression for you and uh, they're very different in in terms of uh, you know what they are fundamentally but for some people when they come from uh, some type of eating disorder and they come into the ketogenic diet and they start fasting it can actually be quite triggering for them was there anything that you had to overcome uh, with with fasting that that made it easier for you and and was fasting you know maybe one of the the benefits in being able to intuitively eat what you want as well?
0: Oh, definitely. I I do. I do think so. I think when I started fasting, well, first, you know, when you get into keto, you know, food just stops controlling you because your body is so satiated. So I wasn't deprived. I think the whole binging and purging was all about when you starve yourself for so long, your brain just breaks and you eat all the things and then you feel absolutely terrible and you're actually in physical pain. And then it's so easy to, to just purge it. Well, that completely stops when you go keto because a you're satiating yourself. So there's no, there's no, even, even if I binged on the good foods, um, I don't know. It almost just fixed my brain somehow maybe all the fats I, I just can't explain it but when I would eat even too much keto food I would just know that okay well I won't eat again for another 24 hours so I'm okay it's mm. part of the part of the purging I think what I used to think about was oh I'm going to gain so much weight and then on keto and fasting I just knew I wasn't going to gain the weight I might not lose weight quickly but I knew I was just trying to fix myself so um I didn't, when you fast for a certain amount of time too, you're not, you're hungry, but you eat a small amount of food and you're like, okay, that's all I needed. Sometimes I would break the fast with just a hard boiled egg. It wasn't like I was so hungry that because I was fasting, I had to eat so much food. It was just one small thing. Like Dr. Funk says, it feels like your stomach is shrunk. shrunk. Mm. And of course it's not, but I think just the control of all the hormones I just never I just stopped binging. And so when you stop binging, you stop purging and it just naturally progressed into normal <laughs> normal yeah. again. Oh, that's after of- years it's just food freedom. I'm not scared anymore. I used to carry all kinds of stuff with me, you know, protein bars and just everything. And now it's like I can leave the house and know that I can go for long long periods of time.
1: That's fantastic. That's so good to to hear that um, there's been such a change and, you know, to, to have the freedom to be able to. Uh, I, I remember when I was a, a high-carb eater, um, we would leave the house and we'd go out and, you know, after a certain amount of time, I would just get frustrated. And it was that frustration that was just, you know, rearing its head because I was hungry. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and when you start going into the high fat realms, you, you forget that that ever happened. And then, so what I did recently, uh, was for a week after the marathon, I tried, uh, adding a few of the carbs back in. Um, and to be honest, I like sort of went back to what I was doing prior to going keto and it, and it was just, it was bad. You know, I, I fell into that same trap of, uh, you know, going to the shops and getting frustrated, uh, and, and 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 it's really good to, you know, sort of it's it's uh, for some people uh, it's a it's a big wake up call if they go back off the ketogenic diet uh, and they see you know what what are the causes and why did they actually went on the ketogenic diet in the first place? Have you ever had any of those sorts of scenarios where you've you've gone off and then come back on and gone? Oh, okay, this this is actually for me.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about popcorn. Uh, Thank God I don't have the taste for it now. But in the beginning, when I first started keto, uh, I would just dream about one of these days, I'm just going to try and, you know, just eat some popcorn and see what happens and went to the movies. And of course, went right back to my old, okay, this bucket's mine. What popcorn are you going to eat? Because this is all mine. And then I'm going to get a refill. (laughs) And yeah, we all do that. And then you realize how bad you feel or I did, you know, I ate the whole bucket and I wanted to purge it out because I thought, oh my gosh, this is carbs. This is, you know, this is the old Debbie. And it, it was horrible. But I in a way, I'm glad it happened. Because then, you know, you don't let that happen again. Or what also happens, I let a long, you know, I fasted after that whole thing happened. And um, I went to have some popcorn, you know, a couple months later, not movie theater popcorn, but it really didn't have the same taste. It was almost like my taste buds lost the affinity for it. And I know that takes time. It's not right away. I would say it's not even the first six months of being on the ketogenic diet, but now it's been over a year for me. And every now and then, I mean, not recently, but I'd say a couple of months ago, I would say, okay, well, I'm going to just taste that because everybody says your taste buds change. And it's really, really true. You lose the urge for the donut. I'm able to buy like a dozen donuts for a company that had just come visit me. And they really wanted to try these donuts. There's a special donut shop in town, like a mom and pop place. And I went out and I bought them. I thought, oh, I wonder what that's going to be like walking in and smelling all the donuts. I was absolutely, I had not even the slightest temptation of taking even a nibble of one. So I don't know if that's, me or if that's keto magic or what the story is, but, um, yeah, in the beginning, I think it's important. Like you said, like if you break it, not to panic, not to worry about it, just get back on the horse as soon as you can. And for me, I think you feel so much better without the carbs that, uh, you know, I just don't see any reason to have carbs again.
1: Mm, yeah, a lot of people have that that realization because uh, you know it, the the carbs were controlling their life, and if they can pull away from that and start eating more intuitively and and uh, mix in a little bit of fasting with that, then it it can all go really really well. And and so um, I'm interested to know um, about the 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 fasting and the types of fasting that you do. Can you tell us, um, you know, maybe the first long fast that you did, and how you felt throughout those those days and hours and whatnot, and then how you implement fasting now into your into your weekly schedule?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, actually, because yeah, I like that question a lot. Because in the beginning, when I when I would just knuckle through the, I was just trying to keep up with Jimmy. He's like, "I'm doing a three day fast. Let's go!" (laughs) I'm like, "Okay, here we go." It was probably a little early for me to do that so i must say it they were not easy times um but i would listen to megan ramos she had a, a i don't know if the the obesity code is a is a great podcast if you haven't heard it and there's a lot of fasting stories on there and i would just listen to those all anything that had to do with fasting i would like listen to to get me through the the hours sometimes it was minute by minute i would get so hungry um and drink water and salt, of course, and do all the things you're supposed to do when you're fasting. And I'd know, and then you, I couldn't believe I was going. The first night I remember, I couldn't believe I was going to bed without eating for the day. And the way that when you wake up the next morning, it's almost euphoric. You're like, I did it. And then it's easy in the morning, and then you have your rough patches in the afternoon where you're like, okay, just get me through this next hour. And again, salt. And I make my own salt tablets. I buy those uh, triple, zero um, empty capsules and I put Himalayan pink salt in there. That's a great trick for fasting. You swallow a couple of those and it really does take the hunger away and it keeps the potassium and magnesium in the cells and you feel great again. And of course, I wasn't exercising during those days. And then again, go to bed day two and you wake up day three going, I did it. (laughs) I just kind of... It's just freeing and wonderful. Now I don't, I don't really do the long fast now. So that was when I first started getting control of my, my hormones and, you know, getting keto adapted. I think, and also the autophagy. I thought if I did any damage to my esophagus from the years of being a bulimia, I'm like, I'm fixing that, you know, <laughs> I'm all about the autophagy. And so that's why I kind of knuckled through those. But now after listening to Maria Emmerich and her protein sparing modified fasts, I recommend them too. So I will switch. So now those back then I would struggle through the three, four day. Fa- I think my longest was five days actually. Now that I think about it um, to see if I could do it and I did it. But now I really like the idea of just the protein sparing modified fast where it's, you're allowed 100 grams of protein a day and about 35 uh grams of fat and as low carbs as you can. So she, she her theory is that that just starts um fat loss again if you're having a stall and on top of it you're not breaking down your muscle because I did find those long extended fasts I kind of was looking scrawny at the you know at the tail end of those. Mm, right. <laughs> So as much as I like the autophagy, I like the idea of her protein sparing um, modified fast. But now what I found works for me is I like to do one 36-hour fast a day, uh, a week, I'm sorry, um, and one protein sparing modified fast a week. So I, that's my, um, my usual, like right now.
1: Right. Okay. That. Well, that's interesting. I. Um. You know, the M- Maria America is is awesome. Uh. And she is. I
0: love your podcast with her. By the way, you did such a good job with her. I listened to it twice.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, well, I, well every time you asked a question, I'm like yes, yes, that's a great question, and then yeah, it was interesting too. I when you asked her about the music and stuff, I'm like, she's a nerd like I am.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so for anyone who's listening and, and, and is quite, not quite sure what we're talking about, we're talking about episode five, um, with Maria Emmerich. Uh, and she, um, she has some really, really interesting topics around, uh, as as you were saying before, these proteins bearing um, modified fasts. So I wanted to ask you in particular. And this uh, is this a hard and fast rule for most people to have 100 grams of protein and 35 grams of fat, or is that um, a, a macro depending on you know how how tall you are or how large you are or or thin you are? Is it, is it a macro? depending on your calories, or is it those particular numbers and then that will kick-start you back into the fat-burning zone?
0: Yeah, that's um, – when you look on her website, uh, keto adapt. it's actually keto-adapted.com. Yep. I think you have to join. I joined because I get so much information from her. And, and basically that's what they recommend for everybody is just shoot for 100 grams because it's just a, something you do one – or two times a week mm-hmm. and that's only if you're in a stall so because you know she just intermittent fasts and has her you know two meals but if you're having a stall and you're having a really hard time that's kind of their their steadfast rule she i think it's something 0.7 uh grams of protein per lean body mass yeah but if you did not want to figure all that out which is really hard to figure out if you don't go get a DEXA scan mm-hmm. so then you know, a lot of people were asking questions. She's like, "Just have a hundred grams of protein. It's like uh, a pork chop and maybe a, a lean hamburger patty or chicken breast. Those are the two proteins for the day, and as little fat as you can. You know, you want you want them delicious, so a little bit of fat's okay, and no carbs. And it's just for one day. But if you compare that to like a fast where you have water and salt, it's like pinging out.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally right. Okay, so so. Um, and and so, what does a normal uh, a normal day of like a thirty six hour fast for you look like?
0: Uh, it's pretty easy. I just um, when I set my mind to, it's usually on a Monday. I like to um, you know I go to work and I just don't eat that day. <laughs> Water, salt. I'm very busy, so it it doesn't uh, affect my day at all. Probably because I'm keto adapted or fat adapted. And then the next morning I wake up and I'll eat when, you know, I don't really count the hours. It's over 24 hours, obviously, plus however long I slept. And then I go again, intuitively, if I'm really, really hungry, I'll have something like a hard boiled egg or one of my, um, you know, I call it a light bulletproof, where it's just two tablespoons of uh, heavy whipping cream. And like I said, a teaspoon of MCT oil. And sometimes that'll tide me over until my next, You know, until I'm hungry.
1: Oh, that's interesting. That's, yeah. I, uh, so for me, I haven't experimented a lot with fasting, um, because I'm always doing a lot of uh, running or cycling, whatever it is. How, how is the fasting, um, you know, integrated in with you, some of the running and, uh, and the tennis that you do as well?
0: Yeah. That's, that's another good question. So with the Mathetone training, you want to do that fasted anyway. So, and for me, it's still walking. You know, if I pick it up to a jog, my heart rate gets up to 125, and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to be careful, you know, and go back to walking. So I can still do my math training while I'm uh, fasting. But my tennis is on Tuesday and Wednesdays, and those are, I play singles and they're two hour matches, and right now they're outdoors. So, um, I won't do the fast on those two days.
1: Mm, okay, all right. Yeah, that makes sense because especially with tennis, you know, you're you're you are you you can not really sit in a particular heart rate zone. You sort of it's competitive, so you're <laughs> you're you're playing. Oh, it weird.
0: Yeah, do you think that's ruining my marathon training?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. No, no. I think um, so. With with marathon training, and what I found is that uh, you need to actually do some. It's some interval stuff in there anyway, because if you just do marathon training, uh, and I I, I I know the book that you're talking about, um, Primal Endurance, and I read it uh, a long time ago, and I I did the exact same protocol, um, and you basically get really good at running slow, and <laughs> um and 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 that's what happened for me. Um, but what I think is important is to keep those fast sections in there um not not anything that's going to tip you over the glucose threshold um but i think tennis is perfect because it's not about going um super high heart rate for a long time you're you're in a match for 20 or 30 40 seconds and then you get a little bit of a break so it's sort of like if you were doing intervals
0: oh my gosh i'm so glad you said that because i just uh Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I'm thinking of trying to do another half coming up, like maybe October or maybe I should just wait until next March. No, I think it was April for the Go St. Louis Half Marathon. Oh, so I love that you think, because I thought, am I ruining this? I can't not play tennis. I'm on two (laughs) years and I'm like.
1: So <laughs> yeah, I mean like so I- the that that type of training is is really important as a as an accompaniment to the MAFTAN training because otherwise you don't build up the strength to to eventually get faster in your mapphtain training, so I think that's important for but you know I would obviously be uh, listening to to what your body's telling you but but by the sounds of it you're you're pretty in tune with that already, so oh that's fantastic and, and i I wanted to ask you a little bit about um uh, checking your your blood glucose as well, um, because from from what you've told me that that is pretty important to you. And how do you uh, do you do uh, blood glucose testing when you're fasting? And then um, how do you sort of h- how do you normally test? And then what does that look like for you if you're uh, doing something like a little experiment with the carnivore diet or, or, or whatever it is that you're doing?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love testing my glucose. But I was listening to the ketogenic girl. Mm, Vanessa. Yeah, Vanessa. Thank you. She's great. I bought her book too. (laughs) But she um, recommended checking your glucose 15 minutes after you wake up. And that'll give you a great picture of how you did the day before. And that's been working really great. And I literally have to set my iPhone timer on because 15 minutes is kind of a long time but I check it right at 15 minutes, and you want to have your glucose in the 80s, and then you know you did pretty good the day before. So, I, yeah, so I test every morning 15 minutes after my feet hit the floor, not after your eyes open or if you're still in bed. It's once your feet hit the floor and you're up, you put your timer on, 15 minutes later, boom. Okay. And then, yeah. Awesome. And usually it's, yeah, if I have – Oh my gosh, like maybe too much keto dessert or too much dairy. You know, I just know the things I'm like, I almost know like, oh, I'm gonna be in the 90s. I know I'm gonna be in the 90s. I ate that, whatever it was, and I, a little bit too late, you know, because I try to eat now, uh, stop eating at least two, maybe three hours before I go to bed. And so I just know, and it's, and it's really accurate. Like if I have something, just a little too much of my cookie dough, which I can't wait to tell you that recipe later, but uh, usually affects my glucose 15 minutes after I wake up. And then another general rule is about two hours post-perennial after, you know, you eat, you wait two hours, and then you can test to see if you're in the low nineties is, is kind of okay. That meal was okay.
1: Right. Okay. So, so, so you can also test for each individual. So, for anyone out there who um, does have a blood glucose meter, um, you can also test two hours after the meal, and that's called postpranial. That's correct, isn't it?
0: Yep. Yeah, that's cool. exactly. I don't really need ketones, and I don't. I did in the beginning because you know I was at Atkins, and I was peeing on sticks way back in nineteen ninety six. I was so excited. I didn't care that it was like, oh my god. $40 for <laughs> 10 strips or whatever it was, I was ketones. But, you know, I learned from just listening to all these podcasts, I can't remember who I learned this from. But if your glucose is in the 80s, your ketones are, are rocking, you don't have to worry about it. Because, you know, you're not chasing a ketone number, your key, your body might be using them, and it looks low, and you're not winning the ketone race, but you might be using them. So there's no sense checking them because you it's kind of like weighing yourself. Are you going to get upset if it's high or low? Uh, you know, if your glucose is in check, you're doing okay.
1: That's yeah, and it's interesting that you say about the the scales just before. Um, is is uh, okay? So so when you're optimizing for you know doing the fasting and doing. The, the the types of eating that work well for you, and you're really listening to your body, tuning in with uh, the intuitive eating styles and not really counting the macros, how does it then play into, uh, you know, going and testing your weight and your blood glucose? Are they sort of things that are just little feedback mechanisms to, to make sure that you're on the right track?
0: Yeah, I try not to check my weight because it's all about body composition and that just throws, throws me off, you know, although it's pretty good right now. But I I just don't need the scale anymore. And from everything I've heard, it's not a measurement of anything. You could be carrying five pounds of water, you know, um, if I had too much salt or something. So I don't really get on the scale. But the glucose 15 minutes after I wake up, that just tells me, oh, I had a great day the day before.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, it's really empowering to not have to stand on the scale. So, uh, for, for anyone out there who is, who is trying to reduce their weight, I think you should be looking at the types of food that you're eating, getting into the fasting and then trying to test your, your blood glucose levels to see if you're on the right track is, is a really great way to do it. So, so thanks for letting us, uh, into that little aspect of your life. And so you were talking um, about autophagy before as well. So basically that's the, the process where your cells go through a, a cleansing mechanism. Um, and how do you um, in particularly try to trigger that when you, when you need to? Is that just caused by fasting?
0: Yeah, that's just a natural thing that happens when you fast. Your body is looking for energy. And oh, I love Dr. Fung's analogy. So you're out in a cabin. You run out of firewood. This is the analogy of your body running out of fuel. You go ahead and throw the couch and start chopping up the couch. No, your body's going to look for, you know, a used piece of junk in the corner that and throw it in the fire. So basically what your body's doing, that's my, <laughs> he says the analogy a lot better than that, but basically your body is not going to eat your important, uh, organs or bones or muscle it's going to look for the bad cells and the mitochondria and cancer cells just say those are those are bad cells that your body's like oh we don't need these this is garbage and so your body just kind of auto you know it's like auto eat i think is the um, the, you know the breakdown of the word autophagy is self and so you self eat the bad cells, not the couch.
1: Yeah, that's a, that is a great analogy. <laughs>
0: it's kind of exciting because you can get autophagy just from intermittent fasting. You don't have to do extended fasting to get autophagy. There's no study out there saying how long you have to be fasted. So even if you just do a, you know, 16, 18, 20 hour fast, you're getting some sort of autophagy.
1: Mm. And I think that's that's pretty achievable for most people. And, and maybe, uh, you know, uh, most people might be doing some form of that already. Um, so to know that they're uh, cleaning out the bad cells is, is, a, is a good step in the right direction too. Uh, so I, I really love um, doing some quick questions. And the, the, the quick questions are, you know, just things that, um, you know, might be your favorite food, your favorite exercise, but uh, generally some of them aren't so quick. <laughs> So we're more than happy to go down that rabbit hole if necessary. Um, But the first one i like to start with is uh, what is your favorite keto food?
0: Uh, So I've been listening to all your podcasts, and I hate to be the same same thing, but eggs are my favorite keto food.
1: They're your favorite. I like them. Ah, interesting. That's great.
0: I love eggs. And anything with chipotle, uh, you know, um, Primal Kitchen chipotle mayo. That's usually my go-to. I literally crave that mayo, so I'll get a hard-boiled egg or two, and just—I don't even make it into egg salad. I just put the um, Chipotle mayo right on top of the <laughs> boiled egg and eat it that way. But that's my favorite, and of course, you know, a good juicy hamburger.
1: Oh yeah, that is pretty good. That is delicious. I—I'm a big fan of eggs too, just boiled eggs or uh, whatever it is. And I've been a- adding a little bit of mustard to it. And mustard is is generally if they ha- if you look in the back, if they haven't added sugar to it, it's pretty low carb, so uh, it's a good one to mix with eggs and and so y- y- you were talking a little bit about before that you were um, uh, planning on doing another half marathon. And, uh, you are also a a tennis player, but, but what is your favorite exercise? Do you have something that's particularly important to you that you, um, you know, if you only got to choose one exercise, what would it be?
0: Can I say tennis? That's more of a sport than an exercise.
1: Sorry, (laughs) of course. I,
0: I would hit the ball to anybody, any time of the day. If you ask me right now, it's like 94 degrees, I'd go hit the tennis ball with you. Like that is my, if I'm not playing, I'm watching Wimbledon just ended. And I was like, literally riveted to the television for the past couple of <laughs> <Like, exhausted. laughs> If I'm not watching it. I'm playing it. And that is my most favorite. And I love, I love running. I really love, like, I love, I'm that freak. That's like, I'll race you across the street. That's what I used to do when I was a kid. My friends would go, okay, one, two, three, go. And I would run across the street and they'd be laughing at me. I'm like, why don't you like to run? Like, I've always loved to run.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, for so many people, uh, running can be a really painful experience because they've got uh, joints or whatever it is. But w- what was it for you that that um, made running so enjoyable? Was it was it just from childhood and you sort of um, you kept doing it throughout your, your adulthood as well? Or is that uh, something that you well, sort of have to keep doing?
0: I, I did have a grandfather that was... Oh, I can't remember what year. Father's father. I think he was like 1902. He was asked to go to the Olympics. Then you had to pay your own way, so he didn't go. Because I have an identical twin sister. Identical one. I mean, you would you would laugh because you'd be like, "Oh, which one's Amy? Which one's Debbie?" She hates to run. So I always feel like I might have gotten the running gene, and she didn't. As crazy as that sounds, um, but I started running in seventh grade. And I ran cross-country track and winter track throughout college. Like I never stopped running. And then after that, I started, you know, with the half marathons and the marathon. I just always – I like how I feel when I'm running. I get that natural high when I'm running. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty awesome experience. I would have to agree. (laughs) And in, in contrast to your favorite keto food, what is your least favorite keto food?
0: I'd say cauliflower. Not a big fan. (laughs) Everyone loves their cauliflower, and I'm like, I don't like the texture. I've tried. Oh, you know what's funny too is I used to hate Brussels sprouts like you until I learned to grill them crispy. Mm. That's the only way I'll eat uh, Brussels sprouts. Also, so I'd say Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, unless somebody, unless I can cook those uh, the uh, Brussels sprouts till they're like
1: chips yeah they're they're so much better that way aren't they they're sort of i guess a little bit like kale chips but yeah i never was a big fan of brussels sprouts right up until that point i just hate cauliflower i
0: hate it raw i hate it cooked i hate it mushed even with butter i just
1: and it's everywhere in the keto world isn't it like there's cauliflower (laughs) pizzas and you just go nope nope (laughs) um
0: Ash crust that I do want to try because maybe it doesn't really taste like cauliflower. Maybe it really just, you know, you could disguise it with the sauce and the cheese. I don't
1: know. Ooh, okay, um, well, see the- I, I spoke to um, uh, Meg on. Uh, she's her handle is uh, Bacon and Megs on Instagram, and uh, she has this fantastic cauliflower pizza um that she buys from a shop down the road from her. So I can't remember exactly what um what brand it was, but it'll be in one of the previous podcasts. So go back and listen to that one. Um and, but yeah, I yeah, I, I I'm sort of the same cauliflower and it goes bad very quickly, you know. If you rice it up, you have to use it almost straight away if you do. And then if you don't and it sits in the fridge, even after a day you go, nah, can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: Looking at me, I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah
1: so in contrast to your your you know the tennis and the running that you enjoy so much is there anything that you you really don't enjoy about exercise
0: yeah and i really i hate to say it out loud maybe somebody will uh, reach out to me and help me with this one but i hate lifting weights and i know how good it is for you and i actually did a bodybuilding show in the bikini division this is before keto i wish i could do it now but i suffered through lifting for this show and you could tell that i mean (laughs) i got super scrawny i wasn't even muscly because i hate lifting weights
1: (laughs) right is it is it because you enjoy running um so much that it sort of feels a little bit kind of intuitive or is it uh, is it just
0: really want those like especially when I walk onto the tennis court, like I want my delt stick. I want the arms, you know, I want to look like Angelique Kerba who just won Wimbledon. And so I go, I have all sizes of weights in the basement and I go to lift them and I'm literally like, Oh, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I'm much. Effort.
0: Like, you love this. Or, you know, there's some kind of magic potion so that I would love it. But I literally even I have these little three pound weights on my treadmill. And I'm like, okay, you're. Wa- I'm practically walking doing matpaton half the time. So I'm like, at least lift the the weights. I'll do like three bicep curls with three pounds on each hand. And I'm like, oh, I hate them. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm healthy. But I don't know. Uh, if somebody could give me. Kind of
1: if you reach out to Keto, Keto Savage, he'll probably help you. Keto Savage. I love yep.
0: Keto Savage. Oh my gosh, he just got engaged to his love. Oh my god. Yep. Those two are.
1: I, I did an interview with um with Crystal a few weeks back, and uh, so that'll be coming out soon.
0: Oh my god, I love those! Oh, you're so lucky.
1: <laughs> you're
0: so That's the website so good. <laughs>
1: yeah the 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 um the, yeah they they are such great people. Um,
0: they are motivated to do it every single day.
1: Okay, <laughs> and and do you have any uh, books or videos that have? recently inspired you for anyone who's listening out there who's just really keen to download an audio book or buy a new book or something like that or is there any books or yeah. videos
0: oh yeah the best book to download is you are a badass by jen sincero s-i-n-c-e-r-o you are bad i listened to it at least three times now i haven't listened to it recently but it's a great audible book
1: that's awesome i uh i'll I'll have to download it because i feel i feel like i need to be more of a badass sometimes yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, i need to actually do too because i feel like uh i could be doing more in the community you know the keto community and i'm just uh i just get motivated by people like you and keto savage and the connect kids you know they're just every day pounding out different articles and stuff. And I let too much time go by, but hopefully I can reach some 50 year olds and work on my website and help anybody out there that, you know, wants to start keto my way kind of.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> and and we'll get to where people can find you in, in just a second. And I want to delve into a little bit of that as well, but, but are there any supplements that you're currently taking um, that are, you know, that are doing anything in particular for you?
0: Yeah, there are. And actually before I get to that though, I did I do want to see the one video that has kind of changed my world because I'm having a lot of friends question what I'm doing and why do you look so good and I tell them always to go to Netflix and watch The Magic Pill. Mm. Have you seen that documentary? I
1: have, yeah. So it um Pete Evans, he's a he's an Australian guy, was one of the directors.
0: I love that. I love it. And I've had some very stubborn friends of mine who thought I was crazy, like, I, like don't, don't use the oils. Just use avocado oil or coconut oil. And they watched Magic Pill. Now they're all about asking me questions. <laughs> and, and jumped on keto after watching that particular Netflix show. Yeah. Oh, so the supplements I really like is I take uh, glycine every morning. That's um, instead of taking collagen by powder form and mixing it in a drink, I take it in pill form. And it's uh, something you could take while you're fasted. Lysine, a thousand milligrams, and then with a meal, every every the first meal of the day, whether it be a light uh, bulletproof or my meal, I take a um, vitamin K2, MK7, vitamin K2, and that helps get the calciums calcium where it needs to go. So especially for forty plus women who aren't making calcium anymore. They need vitamin K2. It's a very, very important one. So, those are the And of course, magnesium. I take doctors' best magnesium glycinate, 100 milligrams every single night to make sure my magnesium levels are good. Interesting. And yeah. And then for menopausal women, I think it's important to get some progest cream on their skin. It's, uh, it helps you sleep through the night. If you're if you're waking up, uh, like you fall asleep, great. And then two hours later, you wake up and you're up. You're low in progesterone. Oh, ah, so okay.
1: okay. So just a cream is is helpful for that.
0: Yeah, it's a teaspoon on some thin skin. You just rub it on and you sleep like a baby.
1: Interesting. <laughs> oh well, for, and uh, hopefully that helps anyone out there who is uh, struggling with the same thing. Um, yeah. So.
0: Real quick, it's Emerita. It's E M E R I T A. If you put that on Amazon, it'll come up.
1: And that is for that. Okay, awesome. Um, All of these will be in the show notes as well for anyone who's looking uh, for these. Different supplements. Uh, I I like asking the the question because everyone has something different that they incorporate into their daily routine and and for different purposes. And I think uh, it's definitely not a one size fits all for anyone. So um, some of these might be interesting for some people, some not. Right. (laughs) But.
0: what <laughs> yeah
1: and and so i like to end the podcast on on uh, a recipe that you can describe in tantalizing detail do you have a recipe okay. that you might be able to do that for us
0: i have two because one is sweet and one is savory Ooh, good idea i try to keep them in the refrigerator at all times in case i'm in the mood for something savory or something sweet so uh this cookie dough i'm gonna tantalize <laughs> first it's like real cookie dough, and this is the one I have to portion out. You know, I take a small ice cream scooper, and that's all I'll, I'll let. But it's enough. Like, it. trust me, if you eat it slowly and let it melt on your tongue, it's just like the real thing. And it's eight ounces of cream cheese. Do, do you want the recipe, or do you want me to give that to you later and you can put it in the show notes? Oh, no, no, I no, you them. can.
1: Yeah, say the recipe. That, that That's great. It'll oh. be in the show notes as well. I'll write oh. it down as you go.
0: It's so easy. I tweak. there are so many out there, but I tweak this one. It is so perfect. So I do, I, this one I can take claim for because I really did. It's eight ounces of cream cheese, so a block of cream cheese. And it's so easy to remember because it's eight tablespoons of butter. All at room temperature. And you combine those two. Yeah, cream cheese and butter. It's starting off good. Then you add a half a cup of monk fruit granular sugar. Also, add about a quarter cup of swerve. Those two combined do something to this cream cheese. The granular, it's, it's like getting chunks of sugar when you use the granular monk fruit. And then the swerve just gets it thick and beautiful. And then I put in a teaspoon of vanilla. And the secret ingredient that I found is a half a cup of peanut flour. I have coconut, you know. Some people use almond flour. Well, I got this bag of peanut flour from a friend of mine who I turned on to keto. She bought two bags, and she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with the second bag. Do you want it? I'm like, "Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I put it in cookie dough. And so it's like a peanut butter. Oh, and then, of course, you add the um, Lily's chocolate chips. And you could add, if the consistency isn't perfect, sometimes I add a splash of heavy whipping cream. And mix them up and put that in the fridge, and you will thank me forevermore because it is that delicious. You have to make it's unbelievable. It, it just does it for me. And then the savory one is also pretty, um, pretty easy. But I, you take this one I got from some wonderful website. I tweaked it a little. I'll tell you where I tweaked it. So it's a block of cream cheese. It calls for a cup of mayo, which I use. The cup of mayo, I always use the Primal Kitchen. Man, I wish they would reach out to me and (laughs)
1: give me a premium. (laughs) If you're listening, Primal Kitchen.
0: (laughs) Brad, Mark, Sisson, send your girl some mail. And then it calls for one cup of sour cream, but uh uh-uh. Add a cup and a half of sour cream. And then I just add hands, handfuls of any kind of cheese. Okay, so there's cheddar. That's that's the one the recipe calls for. But I'm in St. Louis, and I get Provel cheese. Which have you ever heard of Provel?
1: No, that's I haven't actually.
0: Yeah, it's one of these things that I found out it's just a St. Louis thing. And I'm from Long Island, so I moved here, and I was like, what is Provel? But I found out that it's a St. Louis cheese, and they put Provel, they put provolone and Swiss cheese together, and they made Provel. And it's the they put on all their pizza and all their Italian food. Still not as good as New York pizza, but the Provell is pretty good. So I um, shred up a bunch of Provel and put that in, and then bacon already cooked and crumbled. You throw that in and you just mix it all together and you could, I haven't baked it yet because it doesn't even need it, but you're supposed to put it in 350 for 20 minutes and get it all bubbly and nice. But if you just mix those ingredients up and keep it in the fridge and grab some celery, it's, it's absolute heaven. It's very So it's like yeah, a savory a
1: bacon creamy dip.
0: Yeah. Bacon, cream cheese, mayo, and a little extra sour cream. And it's, um, it's a great dip. Everybody loves it.
1: Keto or not? (laughs) Yeah, I love those recipes where you can, you you know, it's like keto. They will actually eat. You know,
0: (laughs) exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, And so, uh, I, you know, the 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 recipe is a good uh, question to end on. um, But I I do have one that I think uh, would. And be very suitable for you as well um what advice would you give to uh, someone who is uh, 50 years or older and they're looking to just start keto
0: oh i love that question i get that a lot actually people somehow people are finding me and they're all in menopause and they want to start and what i tell them is you know start with lowering your carbs as low as possible like aim for zero You know, no, I don't recommend intermittent... I Start slow is the best way to start. Eat your three meals, but lose the carbs and take... I make them measure out two teaspoons of salt. If they're not willing to make my pill, which most of my friends I'm trying to get on keto, they won't make the pills. I'm like, so much easier if you just make these little capsules. But if you measure out two teaspoons of salt and make sure that's gone in your day, you won't get the keto flu. Because that's the main reason why people... People can easily ditch the carbs, but they feel like crap, like instantly because their body's like, what's going on here? I need my carbs. But if you get that two teaspoons of sodium in, you won't get the keto flu. You won't get the headache. You won't get dehydrated. You won't get constipated. And all it is is two teaspoons of salt. So I say, ditch all the carbs, but increase the salt. It will not give you high blood pressure. Then I just put on my soap and explain how the carbs cause the high blood pressure. just <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Remember, ditch the carbs and take two teaspoons of salt. You're golden and anybody can do it and do it. Cause you'll feel like, you're 30 again. Oh, that's instead
1: of 50. It's fantastic advice for for anyone out there, and it's and it's so great to have, um, you know, a, a very tangible uh, result and a very tangible outcome, like just being able to make sure that two te- teaspoons of salt is gone, and and it is really important for the keto flu, and and so. Um, Debbie, where can people find you? And so you were saying, you were alluding to uh, a little bit throughout the podcast that you're starting a website and you're also in the process of writing a book. Um, so where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Where can people sign up and uh, and, and get started?
0: I am at fatfueledat50.com and it's uh, fatfueled and then at AT. FatFueled at 50.com. That's my website. And then that's my Instagram. That's my YouTube. I'm trying to get more technically savvy and make more YouTubes, but. At fifty, I don't always look cute. So it's like, I feel like I'm like, I want to say something on YouTube and then I look in the phone. I'm like, Oh no, nobody wants to see that right now. So
1: <laughs> Look, you know, uh, information is, is, is the key here. And so don't worry yeah. about what you look like. Don't worry about anything. Just get started. And I think uh, that, that was some good advice that was given to me a long time ago. And uh, the, All right. the, 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 the little, the, I guess the less you think about it and the more that you do um, yeah. you know you, you'll you'll just you'll have so much fun doing it as well as long as the technical stuff doesn't get too complicated.
0: <laughs> oh, that's the thing I don't even, I'm not even sure how they do the YouTube stories. I think I'm figuring that out now, but um, like that's you know that's where I'm at <laughs> very technical.
1: Well, <laughs> if if,
0: now, I'm like how is he going to get a hold of me like what's going to happen <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Da-ding>. <laughs> uh, so so for anyone who is interested fatfueledat50.com uh, is the place to go and I'm sure you've got uh, all, all of those links off there as well so so Debbie thank you so much for being on the podcast it's really awesome to to ha- have someone who's really in the trenches and you know just working all of this stuff out for yourself and it's really interesting in, in talking to you about you know, the, the intuitive eating and how you're not counting any calories or doing any macros. And I think, um, you know, the, the fasting might be, uh, the key to success there, but it's been such a great interview. And, um, and I hope everyone who's listening to this podcast has also got a really great information out of this as well. So, so again, just thank you.
0: Oh my gosh. I have a smile from ear to ear. You're so sweet. Thank you. I'm grateful for, uh, being on your podcast really it made my whole day week year so thank you and i'm gonna get some recipes from your website (laughs) oh awesome
1: (laughs) no worries and i'm sure we'll talk very soon
0: i hope so you take care i'll see you in the the world out there of uh, instagram i guess
1: (laughs) (laughs) it sounds great Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.